podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the returning Anfield Index South African pod. We've been, away for, we've been away for quite a while, but like South Africa's going through a new beginning with our new president, we too are emerging from the ashes. <laughs> so today we've got returning a former um, Anfield Index South Africa podcast host, Kaylin, who now um, hosts the Global Podcast as well as the Face of Pod. Kay, it's been a while, man. How you been? No, it's been too long, Lloyd. Yes, that's true. When's the last time we were on this thing together? I know, man. It's been Yo. too long. I need to come. I need to come up and visit. Or you need to come down. Yeah, I need to come way. down. I haven't been to Cape Town in forever as well. Uh, the last time I came was yeah. just for work, but I might be coming up. So yeah, we can arrange something. But yeah, it'll be cool, man. But it's nice to just talk to you. Yeah, we just have some issue with water down here, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's not too bad. And then um. We also have, returning for the second time, Dumi, but he's just stuck in a bit of traffic. So as soon as he's in, we'll um, ease him back into the pod. Then, lastly, we've got a debutant. He's appeared on Nina's post-match show before. Welcome, Tadiwa Chanakira. How are you Hi, doing, mate? Guys. Yeah, I'm doing well, and you? Cool, man. Awesome to, to have you on the South African um, Android Index pod. Seeing that you're new here, do you want to give us just a bit of a background of you know where you're based and what you do and how you came about supporting Liverpool. Oh, cheers. Thanks. Eh? Uh, thanks so much for letting me join the team. Um, just a background on how I started supporting Liverpool. It's, it was indoctrination by birth, <laughs> seeing as um, my, dad's, <laughs> my dad's a staunch Liverpool fan. So I, I basically, well, I say I didn't have a choice, but somehow my older brother and my younger brother, Man United fans, so I don't know where where my dad went wrong there, but um, <laughs> I, I, I sort of st- uh, stuck out. Um, and then sort of growing up, my era would have been uh, Michael Owen was was a peak um, Liverpool player at that time. So that that's that was my first love in terms of football players. And then obviously I got to witness basically the whole of Gerard's career as I grew up, which was something phenomenal. So. I mean, I've, I've never wavered. Um, you can change your wife, you can change, uh, other things in your life, but you can never change your team, eh? Mm-hmm. So true, and, my man. <laughs> in terms of what I do, um, just a background, I, I was born in Zimbabwe and, but I grew up in, in Cape Town. So, so your area, Lloyd. Um, oh, grew nice, up in Cape man. Town and then sort of high school, um, I moved to Joburg. Johannesburg and then I did my my undergraduate in well I did two undergraduates at Tuckies University of Pretoria um I did one in BCom law and I did another one in LLB law because I just love to torture myself <laughs> <laughs> and um and then I did a master's for a year in in London so I did a corporate and financial law master's so as you can guess I'm a legal practitioner yeah um, but yeah big big Liverpool fan where, where are you based now? Awesome, man. Now, um, I've got a few projects that I'm working on, so I'm hopping between places. Okay. Um, so at the moment, like, at the moment now I'm in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm just getting some work done there. There's some exciting, obviously, infrastructure um, things that are that I'm trying to get in place. So, so hopefully, if if all works out, then then yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm city hopping at the moment. When you're and in then, South Africa, do you spend more time like in Cape Town or Jersey? No, Jersey. Jersey. Ah, Lloyd. <laughs> it was almost yeah. we almost had no one, an overload of Cape Townians, but you see, no you came to the side. It's it was us. now. <laughs> you were alone. I, I guess I just I just basically need to get a job in Joburg, you know, to complete the cycle. Uh-huh. But anyway, guys. <laughs> okay, guys, let's move swiftly along. Um, so today we'll cover something as near and dear to all of our hearts. You know, seeing that. Uh, in this day and age, everyone's on social media and everyone has an opinion. So today we look at um, social media and you know fan reactions, because we've seen people fume on a daily basis for whatever reason. So we know technology and the internet has evolved into a, a platform where fans now have the ability to voice their opinion and reach more, far more people than previously uh, possible. So you've got your WhatsApp groups and your Facebook pages, Twitter threads, where Basically, fans arrive. Where basically fans are going at each other's necks on a daily basis. So let's look at um, if we could start off with with Twitter and Facebook. I'm going to start with you, Tadiwa, throwing you straight in, man. Um, Twitter and, and Facebook and you know WhatsApp, for example. I'm sure you've you've, you've been exposed to um, fan reactions on there. What what are your thoughts on the the fan reactions, and do you think it's warranted? Um, yeah, obviously it's, it's, it's something that's quite prevalent in my, in my age group. So, um, with regards to Liverpool and with regards to fans, I'll start off by saying on match days, especially the ones where the game starts sort of, well, South African time, 7.30, um, it's very difficult for me to, to stay on Twitter for too long because, uh, the animosity sort of builds when you, when you're reading people's tweets and everyone's trying to guess who's meant to be starting and who needs to be starting and why they need to be starting. I mean, it's, it can really get you so agitated before the game's even started. Um, or even a team sheet's even been brought out. So, um, there, there's a lot of influence that, that Twitter and social media in general can have on sort of your experience before you've even watched the game. And then obviously after the game is, has happened itself, um, that plays a major fact because it's, it's basically raw emotions that come into play and you, you, you know, you're livid that someone messed up or you're really excited. So it, it, it goes from one extreme to the other. And, um, the way I've tried to approach it is to, like to try and contextualize it within the scope of a season. I mean, if you look on Twitter, every game seems like it's a final. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so it, 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 instead of looking at it from, from a perspective, like for example, if we look at Liverpool now, where we're sitting in the table, I think we're on 56 points with about 11 games to go. So the way I would see it is, if we want to get to that sort of 75 point mark, that should get us top four. If we're looking to get more than top four, then that's a bonus, but that's about seven wins from the next, um, from the next 11 games. So as long as we get those seven wins within the next 11 games, we should be fine for top four. But sort of if we lose and draw our next two, it, it you know, everyone on Twitter would just crumble. Exactly. But the thing is, 
Yes, we are in a good position, and I think the last time we had massive fume on Twitter was uh, post the Spurs game, and and ever since then it's kind of been smooth sailing. No one's really gone off the ball, or we haven't seen Twitter that active. But do, but do you think it's warranted for the fans to to react the way they do on on Twitter, or like you said, you you've got like a more calmer approach? But what do you think about the fans that you know go over, go overboard and lose their shit for want of a better word? Yeah, I think. Um one, I think it's a mob mentality. So, so I think it sort of just picks up momentum. And if it's warranted, there's a way to do it, I think. I mean, if you're going around, you know, tweeting the players, tweeting the owner, tweeting the owner's wife, I don't think that's the correct way to, then I don't think it's warranted. But mm. they, obviously everyone is entitled to their opinion. It's just a matter of being respectful with that opinion and sort of, if you look at it at the end of the day, all we, every single one of us, every single Liverpool fan, whatever color, whatever race, whatever perception you have of what you want the club to be, we all want Liverpool to win and to win trophies at the end of the day. So I, I think we need to take that into consideration. Exactly. Well said, man. Um, okay. We all know that, um, with the Anfield Index crew, we've got WhatsApp groups galore and you, you're very active on Twitter. What are your thoughts on? You know, the social media fume, and do you think it's warranted? It, it's a bit difficult for me to answer because, like, my Twitter account is very small, and I I, I tend to contribute to it <laughs> being that small. What a modest guy. It is. It's very small. Like, it's 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 tiny compared to, like, literally everybody else on um, <laughs> who's a contributor to AI. But, you know, th- th- that means for me, I don't get all of the fume. You know, I don't get all of the really bad reactions. I think it's very difficult to say like fans shouldn't do this or fans should do that. And I think that's where the problem comes in a lot is where people rock up on social media and then they say, you know, you have to be a fan if you're this and that. And you know, us as as foreign-based fans, Lloyd, we've dealt with that before on this pod of you have yeah. to be in Liverpool to be a Liverpool supporter. And that's a tiny minority of Liverpool supporters. But when somebody says it, like it hurts a lot, you know, it's like what is your legitimacy here? Why don't you go to support a local team, you know? Attacking something that's so close to your identity is, you know, it's it's sort of difficult to deal with if you spend like many hours of your day really looking out for Liverpool news and going through Liverpool things and what else can you do, you know? Um, but on the other hand, you know, then you get people who who are like, don't ever question the manager, and then, uh, you know, there's the whole there's a whole bunch of factions within the within the fan base now especially on social media and you get like you know the fsg artists is one that comes to mind immediately and then like you said the whatsapp groups and this is where you know the immediate reaction is something you have to take into account like the duo was saying i remember the fume that used to be whenever a, a team sheet was released and especially at the time when you're yeah. to rotate a lot wow yeah. twitter was blowing and up dude the rogers it's era as well the rogers era was hectic when when lucas was in um, was in centre back. You are. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word! Yes. <laughs> there was something else. Like people just started, you know, people started writing out their worlds and saying, "No, I'm dead." You know, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Yeah. It was so extra, you know, there's so much. And I think, I think as social media sort of consumers, we have to take the timing into account. Right before a game, right after the game. I know I don't trust myself to write things in WhatsApp groups. I don't trust myself to put things onto Twitter. It's just, you know, I'm a mess, so I'm not going to do that at, at that point. And But people are doing that, and we have to take that into account. Like, emotions are running high. They're going to say some stuff. But at the same time, 
there seems, you know, like Tadio was saying, it feels like we're all on the same path. And then sometimes you get one or two people that don't. There are one or two groups on social media where you just think like, it's almost like they want us to lose. It's almost like, you know, if we yeah. lose, they can get their point across, then that's great. And I think that's where you should sort of draw the line. Like, what are the rules of this subculture? And one of the rules of the subculture is like, everybody should be heard. It's things like, you know, we're all here to watch Liverpool win and do things in the right way and so on and so forth. Those kinds of things should be inherent and normal. And when you contravene those laws, then, you know, you should get some comeuppance. But other than that, it's just, you know, the way people put things forward. You need to learn to sort of almost deal with it in a way. You need to learn to manage your social media a bit better. Man, when Jurgen Klopp was doing the changes this season, guys, and the Everton game happened, and we were like, we should start, you know, we should start our full team in the derby. That was my WhatsApp for like the next seven hours, just complaining. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was too much. It was like at, at that point, you just have to sort of decide what you're going to do. Are you going to um, mute this WhatsApp group for a while? Are you going to get off Twitter for a while? And I know that's hard. But I I almost feel like those are the more important measures, like how the individual consumes social media is more important than what's actually going on on social media. And I think from that point of view, we, we need to look at how we do things and how we manage things and maybe doing more things like giving less credence to people who do go off on these really extremist opinions will lessen those opinions, if I can put it that way. But I think the only things that shouldn't be there is ones that contravene the laws of the subculture, you know, no sexism, no racism etc etc and we should all be looking for yep. to sort of yep. win i fully agree with you man um yeah 100 percent. the you see for me i believe everyone's got a right to voice their opinion but you know you've got to take responsibility in you know voicing your opinion <laughs> you need to I, I believe you need to have an educated and, bal- and balanced point of view for me personally you could go extremist view or you could I find that the, having the balance opinion, you know, translates uh, better on social media. Not that many people read my tweets, but you know, it's out there. Um, but yeah, just if if you're just going to blast out whatever comes to mind, it's going to cause friction and it can only damage whoever that's directed at. So, and and we've we've obviously seen and on her, the players have access to social media. They do browse Twitter every now and then, Instagram. Um, I wouldn't say the manager so much, but one thing I actually wanted to mention and, and, and get your guys' opinion on it is with the media, um, as in your, your newspapers and, you know, massive uh, production houses, they, they appear to now be picking up a lot more on social media and even using it sometimes in interviews. So if they say, for example, there's an agenda that, um, James Molnar should be, Center forward for the rest of the season, you know that might have started on social media. But we're seeing that that media houses are, are sometimes picking up on these little things. I, I personally think that that's very unprofessional on their behalf. But the problem where the problem comes in is they have access to di- direct access to players and managers. So you'll have a guy from you know Sky or whatever, for example, that would ask Jurgen Klopp post post game. I heard that. Mulder was going to play. You know, it's it's very it's very it's very dangerous territory we're trading in here. So so mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah like what what do you think? I uh, like the firstly, do you think it's it's unprofessional from before the media houses to do this? And we're seeing that you know something as simple as a as a snotty tweet could have a huge reach even to the manager and 
someone within the club. Your thoughts? I think the problem comes in here where the media feels they need to be like a social media where they need to generate content constantly and thus will go into more popular forms of, you know, more popular data mining kind of thing. It astounded me that when, you know, some big news agencies put people's FIFA stats up, you know, to be able to compare players. I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was like a landmark moment for the media, you know, like, wow, guys, you know, you, you have money, you have access, you have influence, you can go and invest in something that will, you know, you have experts and things like that, but now you're doing this, you know, for what? And then on the note of the social media and, and them using social media to, to, in essence, generate their content for them. They're using social media to make a, a non-story a story, and they're using social media to be able to make content that already has an audience. It's 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 sort of. I mean, there is you know you need to cover stories that are popular. That is a part of the media. But this one, it feels very clickbaity. You know, it feels there's no substance. Yeah. To it, it's just there for the headline, and yeah. and that kind of thing. Like it's it's a double-edged sword because. Yeah, you're getting those clicks, but honestly, like social media does social media better than media. That's yeah, the yeah, exactly. You should not be as I mean, as a strategy, as like a business strategy, it's a really foolish thing to be able to be trading in on those kinds of things. To be able to now we're generating content, now we have a social media house, and now you can do those things, but you, it needs to be within the framework of what good media is. What like if it's a news platform. What is good news? What constitutes good news? And they'll have a mandate for that. And your social media account needs to follow that. The content that you generate needs to be from the point of what you're trying to achieve, not just let's just get whoever should be on here and that kind of thing. I mean, we've seen like, you know, we've seen transfer window things where people are just like outside Anfield, you know, when we know nothing is going to happen. And then some silly journalist is outside Anfield just in case something's happened in the cold. And, you know, you just got yeah. to be a better way to do this. You know, surely there must be another way to do this. But yeah. the other thing that's really, that's really, you know, that this lends itself to is when you have a company like Sky and then Sky owns a betting company and it owns a news company and yes. one to drive the other and now there's a big me, a rumor on the media that liverpool are going to buy this and this player and um some itk says well they you know the plane is flying over to london we've got the liverpool fans plane tracking this thing <laughs> to come here you know, from wherever it is and now the betting company says sky sources will say this and that you know and even if it's not sky if there's a relationship between the two one will use the other to get things, you know, to, to to move traffic from one to the other. And that becomes sort of very dangerous territory. But like Tadio, you probably can comment on that uh, to, to a lot more knowledgeably than I could, though. Yeah, I think it's it's quite a gray area um, in terms of legally. And it's something that I think the law is trying to catch up to. Um, if you look at if you look at the the speed at which social media has gained popularity over, you know, since the year 2000, it's, um, whereas laws, the, um, the way they implemented, the way you, um, enact bills and acts, it's, it's quite a long process. There's a lot of checks and balances and regulations and rules and so many steps you have to go through, whereas social media can just evolve on a day to day basis. So it is quite a, 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 a game of catch up and it's more, it's more, uh, the law is reacting to things instead of being proactive and seeing what, what, what's coming. 
So it, it, I, I do see that um, in the legal field as as a challenge, uh, as as you've pointed out, especially uh, with Sky owning, as as you mentioned, a, a media house as well as a, a betting company. I mean, I think also it 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 falls on us then as as individuals to you you got to weigh certain things up i mean there's certain rumors that <laughs> you look at them and logically you can just see that's never going to happen but the unfortunate thing is there just are some gullible people out there or there are some people that would that maybe may not be as um aware of let's say they're not on the ball with all of the news um happening in liverpool so they might fall for something like that and that's where i think sky has to take the responsibility to to not be so callous but um i think the problem for for media and journalism journalism as a whole is everyone's sort of moved on from the the hard news the the, the reading and I, I mean how many people um actually read a newspaper that never used to read a newspaper you know in in an older age or grew up reading the newspaper, maybe they will carry on reading it. But sort of there's a new wave of people that are coming in now um, where they don't even know what a newspaper is. You know, they get all yeah. of their news from social media. And sort of to maybe to to back the, the, the media houses a little bit here and there's some sympathy for them there, this is a whole new world for them. This is not something that they're specializing. Their bread and butter was, you know, um, Printing out news, no, print you know, and print media exactly, and they've they've had formulas for years and decades of of how to do it, and now that's totally been blown out of the way, and you can see it's it's quite interesting seeing some of the older journalists that are trying to sort of nudge their way into you know into social media, um, and yeah, so I think it's just the matter that they have to chase the money now, and the money is in social media. Exactly. I think also that's the nature of the piece. You mentioned it with the, the, the print media. We, we live in a day and age where, you know, it's not viable to go the print media route anymore. I mean, I don't think, in, I don't know anyone personally that buys newspapers anymore, but in any case, so you find that the media houses need to adapt and change their game plan where they need to, where social media is where it's at and they're kind of chasing the dollar, like you mentioned. So for them just to get ahead of the game and not to lose out, they, you know, scrambling essentially to, you know, get as much information as possible. And that also leads into a dangerous area where information isn't corroborated and double checked and, you know, made 100% sure with valid sources. And, you know, some, we've seen quite a few new, uh, media houses putting out info that, you know, hasn't been 100% accurate. But yeah, I guess that's the nature of the beast. Um, yeah. So. Twitter and Instagram and uh, WhatsApp, you know, are, I guess the main sources of social media. But we've seen a new platform kind of emerge re- in recent times, um, which has kind of made a lot of fans rich and, you know, started this whole movement of fan reactions live on camera and as soon as possible. I'm, of course, talking about um, the YouTube um, fan TV channels. So we all know, obviously, Arsenal fan TV is possibly, possibly the most famous one because Everyone goes on there, has a rant, and as they say. But um, I just wanted to touch on that, just as my view before before I get to you guys. There was a recent interview with Hector Bellerin where he said um, 
I think it's wrong for someone that claims to be a fan and their success comes from our failure, so how can they be a fan? Obviously directing that uh, at, at the Arsenal Fan TV guys. So I think that Dekta Bellerin's opinions are a fresh take on this whole you know, movement because we hardly ever hear from players. We just hear the, the fans you know, ranting and doing their thing. So I, I found it very refreshing to hear his point of view. But um, you know, what do you what do you guys think about things like your Arsenal fan TV and um, uh, the the YouTube channels emerging nowadays? Let me come to you first, Kai, on this one. I'll I'll, I'll can go straight off to you. But I mean, your comments or at least fa- uh, fan comments, we've seen now that they are reaching players. And I mean, if they can reach players, they can reach someone in the club, and they can reach eventually the manager. So, so what are your thoughts on you know the, the YouTube channels? That's interesting. I mean, I, I'm all for fan generated content. You know, it's um, the, the thing is about you know specifically the video format is it gets the most tractions at those points when I mentioned you know right before a game or right after a game when your emotions are running sort of the highest, and you're more likely to say things that are a little bit more extreme, you know, than than considered, if I can put it that way. The, you know, specifically, now, I mean, there, there are lots of different fan-generated video channels, um, you know, that I've seen. Uh, Liverpool has one, United has one that I know. Uh, obviously, Arsenal ha- has one. I don't know if anybody, you know, bar the Arsenal one, have really taken the tractions to that level. Yeah. Uh, and and that's, that's an interesting concept, you know, with Hector Bellerin coming out and saying, I mean, you know, you have to allow for fans to criticize, but at the same time, we have this thing of frequency, you know, and when you hear a, a, a disparaging opinion or a good opinion sort of over and over and over again, and a lot of people are talking, even if it's just one opinion, and that one opinion gets promulgated many, many, many times, it sort of becomes a truth. I mean, this is what Donald Trump does, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he sort of controls the narrative on Twitter and everybody thinks he, this guy's just an idiot, but you know, actually on some level he is controlling the narrative before it even often becomes a narrative. So there are people that are doing that really well. And I, I don't think that I'm obviously not saying like Arsenal fan TV or Redman TV or anything like are doing this kind of thing purposefully. But what I'm saying is that in, in an instance like Arsenal fan TV, like those things, when you have those extremist opinions, they get pushed around a lot, and then opposition fans come on board, and you know they they start disseminating it. And actually, the content because of you have many more opposition fans than you have local fans interested in bad results for Arsenal. It gets disseminated a lot more when Arsenal have a bad result because it, you know it's it's more interesting to the many more opposition fans that are there. I, I think I, you know Hector Beller, and that's not it. it it's it's right what he says, but it's not fair to say the whole thing. And again, I would say that players should, players, managers, club staff, and et cetera, et cetera, have to undergo now a sort of social media training and the exposure training. And I know that's difficult to control from the club, oh, yes. you know, but they have to start controlling it because you cannot hear that one opinion over and over again. You know, you cannot just hear good things about yourself and bad things about because social media is more extreme if you want to go to the more populist content it's not nuanced you have to dig for that a little bit and that's not always going to be the obvious channel so i i think like you have to be able to accept criticism and the thing is from the club's perspective is 
somebody like Arsene Wenger is going to be giving Hector Bellerin a lot more criticism and a lot more constructive criticism than somebody on Twitter. It's just that with Twitter, you get the sort of unadulterated, 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 um, angry, you know, really belligerent in your face criticism. And that can hurt a lot if you're not sort of used to it and you're not, you're not ready for it. You don't brace yourself for it. So like, I, I think there's a balance thing in question here, but more than anything else, given, given the position of the player and all that sort of stuff. I just feel here that a little bit more consideration needs to be given from the club in terms of going to these players and saying, Hey, this exactly. exists. Do not, do not frequent it like you're doing. Do not comment on it. And you know, when you can actually just cut it off completely. I don't know how feasible that is. So I'm, I might be just talking out of ignorance here, but, uh, but that does seem to be more, you know, there'll always be fools on Twitter. There'll always be fools on social media. And there'll also always be really good people on social media. But it's not always easy to find one rather than the other. So control it yourself, like I say. You know, just, just try and yeah. just those lines. I, I like that idea of, you know, giving the, the players some sort of training with regards to social media. But then again, with the, the young and up-and-coming um, players, you know, you can't really... Yeah, that's control good. what they yeah. do be, be behind closed doors. For on, on the Arsenal fan TV point from my, before I get to you to to do sorry man to Karen. Okay. Um, the so obviously we live in a you know sadistic world where you know swearing and going off your rocker you know gets you the most views unfortunately that's how it goes. But you know it, it's not necessary for you know, I'm not having a go at Arsenal fan TV. They do what they do and they're successful with what they do. But I mean, there is a, I, I, I seem to think that I'm, or at least I'm of the opinion that there is a tasteful way of doing things. If I look at Redmond TV, they do it in a very tasteful way. If I could put it that way, they, they obviously have direct fan direct reactions where, you know, they're swearing and things like that. Not that I don't condone swearing, you know, I swear a fair share myself. But <laughs> I, I just, <laughs> I just think that, that, that they're doing it in a very tasteful way where Arsenal fan TV Kind of going overboard most of the time, but what what are your thoughts to do? What do you think about the you know various fan TV channels? Yeah, um, I, I was gonna I agree with you with the the Redman TV shout. Um, the, in terms of there is a tasteful way of doing it, and I think it's it also depends what the type of channel you're trying to run. In terms of if you look at the Arsenal fan TV, obviously as the the, the main um, fan fan channel. It's sort of like the, the the people that come on are like caricatures, you know. They're they're playing they're playing a role, they're playing a part. Whereas um, I've, I've seen other fan TVs where it's more analytical. So they so you know it's it, it's different different ways of of, of tackling a thing. But in, in in defense of Arsenal fan TV, you could also say that it it's challenged Arsenal Football Club as a whole as well, because it it does put pressure on. Let's say if, if, if there's a narrative of, I mean, there's the narrative that, you know, Wenger needs to go and Arsenal aren't really doing that well. Whereas Arsenal have only missed out of top four once. And I mean, since he's been there and then in the last four seasons, they've won what three FA cups. Um, yeah. yet the narrative that's been created is, is, is that they, you know, they, they, they're fighting relegation pretty much. If, if you, if you go by what some, some people are saying. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 in terms of us um, fans from other clubs, and I think that's when the the, the channels become quite prominent. Is um, there's actually there's a German word. Uh, it's it's Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. 
Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, from the, for those that don't know, it's from the, the German word Schaden and Freude, the two German words, and it means damage and joy. And the definition of it is to take spiteful, malicious delight in the misfortune of others. You know, and a, a while back we used to dismiss this type of thing as an ugly side of human nature, but it's actually much more than that. You know, in I know in recent years, Stanford professors, they captured schadenfreude, so to speak, on a brain scan. And um, when we see others fail, um, it sometimes causes a chemical to release in the, I think it will be the dorsal striatum of the brain, which actually causes us to feel pleasure. So, I mean, me personally, um, my best friend's an Arsenal fan. And he, he's through, just through that friendship, he's helped me to start contextualizing Liverpool fixtures. Because, I mean, I, I, I was, I would be one of those that where every game was a final. But when you're speaking to another fan, you could, it sort of tempt, you know, it brings you, it gives you that balance. But, um, when I look at uh, Arsenal Fan TV, for example, as soon as Arsenal lose a game, I'm like, oh, Arsenal Fan TV is going to be fun tonight. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas if, if Arsenal win, I, 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 I probably would say I, I don't watch it. I, I can't remember the last time I watched Arsenal Fan TV when Arsenal won. But you better believe every time Arsenal loses, <laughs> I'm watching Arsenal Fan yeah. TV because of that you know, joy I feel in you know, my rival's failures. So it's, it's quite an interesting, interesting um, a point. That is, you guys are teaching me things, man. I feel so dumb right now. <laughs> <laughs> but also, man, look, if, if I could just put a positive spin on things, you have to kind of also look at the other side of the coin. I always find it interesting, and, and this happens within the local fan base as well, where fans can analyze a game and see things that seemingly the manager doesn't see. So you get more frustrated when we didn't sign Virgil van Dijk in the summer, when clearly we would have made a massive difference, for example. So in, the, in, that, in that sense, you know, the, the guy, what the Arsenal Fan TV guys are saying could be 90% correct, you know, and, and it could have repercussions um, further down the line for the club. So I guess fans need... A, a platform to voice their opinion and like we see the obviously Hector Bellerin has seen Arsenal Fan TV probably once or twice and it, it must reach someone in the club and you know if, if it helps Arsenal I'm not saying get Wenger out but I mean make a change let me ask you guys this how much what what influence do you think social media would have had on Arsenal splashing the cash and getting Mkhitaryan and, and Aubameyang in, in the last transfer window even if it's, I think even if it's a 5% um, chance that social media might have influenced it, is it really that, that bad of a thing? I know the guys are going off and ranting on the tangent, but, you know, if, they, if they're hitting the notes, the correct notes and reaching the right people and it yields, say, for example, let, let's say the, the guys on Arsenal Fan TV um, had a 5% chance of, you know, contributing to those transfers, is it really that, that much of a bad thing? I don't know, I'm just playing devil's advocate of here. I think, um, um, if I can jump in there, I think in terms of Arsenal, um, if we talk about Arsenal, and then if you talk about, you can talk about Jurgen Klopp in that sense to bring it from a Liverpool perspective, because I think Arsene Wenger and Jurgen Klopp are very, very similar um, in terms of their, their 
overall outlook on, on football. And those type of managers, they, they wouldn't care less if the whole world told them to sign, you know, Neymar. And in their own heart, they believed Neymar wouldn't fit their system. Where the problem comes, the, I think for, let's say for Arsenal, for example, was the club itself as a whole outside, if you take Wenger out of it, they were the ones feeling pressure. I don't think Wenger himself would have felt pressure to sign mm-hmm. certain players because that's not in his nature. But the club has to remember they also have to be, you know, a PR machine. So I think that there, there was a bit of a strong arming from the club where they had to step in and actually say, you know, Wenger this time, you know, and, and you can see what the way they've, they've sort of built the, the structure of Arsenal now. Wenger used to run the entire Arsenal club. I mean, he ran, from the under eights training all the way up. Whereas now it's sort of been split up. And I think Jurgen Klopp is, is a similar manager in that, you know, he believed Virgil van Dijk was the man. He wanted Virgil van Dijk and he wasn't going to, you know, waver from getting Virgil van Dijk. No matter what we all said on Twitter, no matter how much, I mean, everyone, I think, well, the majority, let's, let's not generalize, but a, a large amount of people, were losing their minds when we didn't sign Virgil van Dijk. And it's because we all knew that was a problem area for Liverpool. But Jurgen Klopp, I suppose, he has that authority within Liverpool Football Club to say, trust me, I know my system. The danger would then come where now, let's say, um, for example, the, the FSG, if they now start saying, from a PR perspective, maybe we should just sign a defender. Because now the manager is no longer in control. And then now you get a situation where he's now got players in his team that he may not necessarily like. And you can see yeah. that with uh, Lacazette at Arsenal. That wasn't a Wenger signing. And you can see as soon as Wenger had the opportunity to then sign Aubameyang, he went and got him. But you've just bought Lacazette. So it's, 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 that, it's that battle of, as fans, do we trust our manager? If we trust our manager, then... Us not signing Virgil van Dijk, Klopp still thinks I can still get top four, and which looks like at the moment he's still going to be able to deliver. You know, I can still get top four. I'll get Virgil van Dijk in January. I've got enough to last me until January. So it's just about us. Do we trust our manager fully, or are are we now playing manager or football manager in in real life? Yeah, I guess also um, what what's good for us as Liverpool fans or, or you know, in general, uh, for the majority of us, I think we've most of us have bought into Jurgen Klopp and his plan. So we know that he's got a seven-year plan, five-year plan at least, three-year plan <laughs> to to achieve goals. And no one's in a rush to get instant success. Where I think the Arsenal fan TV guys see that you know the rot goes deeper than just the manager and the team, and starts you know way up with the board, and that's. I guess, in a sense, the the main gripe for them, they they know they've got a decent team, but they can't see this team ever progressing further than where they are currently, with you know the powers that be currently in place. So I think for for, for um from that point of view, from a Liverpool point of view, I think most fans are content with what Jurgen Klopp is doing. I mean, you can't really. You know, you you would have taken this at the beginning of the season, at the stage of of the season so far, where we currently are, and um, with the players that we have. So, you know, in that sense, I think yes, the fans are, are voicing their opinion, but 
you know, there is some validity behind it. You know, that they do have, they do, it does hold some ground. But anyways, yeah, social media, and you know, I wouldn't mind being one of the Arsenal fan TV guys. I'm, apparently, these guys earn like shit loads of money. So, <laughs> get guys driving Bentleys and things. You know, ah. Robbie is Robbie is raking in Robbie the is, paper, like. But kudos to him. I mean, he's developed that thing himself, and you know, he's he's generated. Like, I I don't hold a grudge or anything against him, but I just never thought there'd be that much money in this. But wow, if that's oh, true, like, yeah. if that's where he gets it from, like wow. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think YouTube rewards you if you hit certain amount of subscribers. They actually pay you. A lot of people it's their full time job just doing YouTube's. Um, but yeah, but he's definitely been a he's definitely been a pioneer in the whole fan TV movement and, and yeah, big ups to him, man. And uh, it's always nice to see how a balanced opinion, like I like I mentioned in the first section, he's, he always has a balanced opinion, even though he's a hardcore Arsenal fan and he hates Spurs, but you know he'd always come across as you know the level-headed one of the the trio, if, if I could put it that way. But yeah, um, okay, guys, let's just move over to the last section with the uh, you know times going on a bit. What does it mean to be a fan for you, specifically in you know South Africa or, or or foreign a foreign fan? The reason why I bring this up is we've got we deal with people on a daily basis with whether it be WhatsApp groups or going to work work or just walking past someone in the mall with a rival jersey. So what does it mean to you being you know personally being a, a fan but supporting your team through and through and not only. Um, so to supporting the team, but you know, going the extra mile to gain as much knowledge about the team as possible for me personally. That being said, I, I'd never look down at a at a you know a rival fan, or I don't feel, or even one of our own fans. I don't feel better than them in some way that I'm you know involved with AI or that I've got access to to more knowledge. But you know, I feel I do feel the instance. To educate them, so so like you mentioned in the first section study, where you know a lot of like the media houses reach, you know, gullible fans. Uh, gullible is a strong word, but you know, people that don't have access to as much info as we do, and then you know they swallow that info and regurgitate it again on a WhatsApp group or <laughs> to someone uh, walking down the streets. But you know, for me personally, like I said, I support the club through and through. I try and get as much info as possible, and I also try to educate, not in a looking down in your way, but you know. Keep the the, the Liverpool um, contingent up to up to speed with what's going on, but um, yeah, let me let me come to you today. What 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 is it for you being a fan and specifically like a foreign fan? Um, I think as in terms of foreign foreign fans, I think in South Africa we would have probably one of the best uh, situations in terms of our time zone doesn't really. It, we're only either an hour yeah. behind or two hours behind uh, UK time. So I, 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 my heart goes out to the, the fans in like Australia, for example, that have to wake up at ridiculous hours, you know, in the morning just, just to watch a game, you know, and, and how can you tell a person that's waking up 3 a.m. every morning to watch a Liverpool game that he's less of a fan because he's never been to Anfield? I've, I've never understood that. This is someone, you know, that's, that's giving up their sleep for the club, you know. Um, but in terms of bringing it back to South Africa, um, we're also fortunate enough with, uh, you know, uh, our, our football package is probably one of the best in the world. I think we get yes. every single Premier League game. I mean, that that's unheard of. Um, in England, you, you get about three a, three a day maximum, maybe. 
So in terms of our viewership, we can watch every single Premier League game. We can watch every single Liverpool game. When Liverpool aren't being shown during pre-season, you see, you know, Liverpool, South African Liverpool fans fuming at Supersport, for example. Like, why aren't you showing the game? You know what I mean? So yes, to yes, be yes. fair, the, 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 the amount of football they give us is, is quite awesome. And then in terms of, from a personal perspective, I, I agree with, um, with you, Lloyd, in terms of being someone that's able to, if you're in a position to inform others, you know, it's just about, you don't have to do it in a condescending way. No, you know, no fan is a bigger fan than, an, you, you know, you can't quantify that. How can yeah. you say that I'm a bigger fan than, than Kalen, for example, you know? Um, but there are times where you may be privy to some information that um, you can share with other people. For example, I mean, uh, just a perspective of different people's opinions. If you take Mane this season, for example, mm. on the one hand, when you look at him with the eye, how you're watching the game, he's not the player, supposedly he's not the player he was last season. But if you look at his numbers, he's probably about like one assist and one goal away or one goal away from beating his his numbers from last season. Yeah. So he is still producing. But so many it's it's such a polarized point in terms of some fans go one way, other fans go another way. And and I suppose that's the beauty of 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 being a fan. There's so many different opinions. And it's not just I think as a foreign fan, I think it, it's it's important for for the clubs to do these tours, you know, to Australia. I know there was one that was meant to come to South Africa. I'd booked my ticket to Cape Town. I'd booked a hotel <laughs> and then yeah. the, the, the tour got cancelled, you know, and I ended up just making a trip of it anyway. But just to see the reach of, of, of how big the club is. And without these foreign fans, Liverpool would not be where Liverpool is because they would exactly. not have the, the, the revenues and the com- commercial outreach to be able to to buy the big stars, you know what I mean. So, so we we play an important role too. Sometimes a forgotten role, but but it's still an important role. And and it, it, it it's 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 a roller coaster, <laughs> I guess. Definitely, man. I'm still f- fucking salty about that the game that didn't come down here because it looked like it was Sancho delivered. But yeah, yeah, I was so <laughs> ready, be... man. I was so ready. Clay, from from your side. I think I've heard it a couple of times before, but just give us a rundown on what it means to you. Yeah, I think there's a weird legitimacy question around this, but it 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 sort of ebbs and flows relative to what's going on at the time. So, you know, when we're talking about foreign commercial revenues, then suddenly nobody's complaining. But if we're talking about what's the most recent complaint was the atmosphere in the ground and how it's caused by people taking selfies and tourists coming in from somewhere yeah. else. You know, like, um, yeah. I, I would just urge like all fans because like social media, again, to come back to that point, it changed the game for me as a foreign fan. It, the, the, you know, from just trying to frequent as many forums as I could, uh, you know, like the Liverpool website forum, for example, and uh, Rourke and those kinds of things, just trying to get some information from people who were, in Liverpool had more information, more understanding than I did to having this thing in social media where every different kind of information that you could want to dig into is there. You want more stuff on tactics. There's experts on tactics. You know, you want play information that comes almost immediately. Now 
you know you want expert analysis and you know all these things can be available like anvil index is a really good example of that where you have one platform and there's all these things that you know there are also a couple of rival podcasts that are really really high quality and giving different opinions and it's so easy to get that now you know and as as a foreign fan i think it made me feel a lot closer to the club a lot closer to the players and what was going on in liverpool you know and in the Definitely. liverpool world never you know never mind anything else and when you're on social media a lot it can feel like there is that disparity between local and foreign fans and like like we alluded to before it feels bigger than what it is but for example i've not heard of anybody who went from south africa or from a foreign territory to liverpool to watch a game and was not received completely and absolutely openly by the people exactly. of liverpool you know and especially i mean we're talking about liverpool fans but i'm also talking about like everton fans you know mm-hmm. like everton fans will sit and have a talk with you you, you know like it's it's there's a there's a there's a myth on both sides here and the myth is that local fans are the ones who are also you know against um foreign fans coming in there and being a tourist and making the atmosphere uh, rubbish you know, that that's that's also rubbish you know that in a in a in a very significant way local fans are a victim of what's going on here as well so i mean i would say you know take all opinions into account if you really want to go around accusing anybody of anything and that's on both sides if you want to accuse local fans or accuse foreign fans or whatever you need to come with receipts and you need to have that stuff in check like if you you know the, the tourist one was great i thought that was a that was just an amazing little thing there and we had journalists even coming out and saying that you know about, about like the tourist fans are killing the atmosphere tourists make up like 10 to 15% of every ground which means that what you're saying is that 85 to 90% local people cannot generate an atmosphere you know just think about that for a while how feasible is that you know so it doesn't take that much digging and you can come to a truth in which that's you know it informs you more it's more true and it leads to us being together and stronger across the world there's no you know like i said it's local fans that are the victims it's foreign fans that are the victims we need to see that for what it is because we're both here like to do what says we are all here to see liverpool win and we're all here for that you know to use the acloppism uh, uh, the project you know in this moment <laughs> we're here to do that <laughs> we need to do you know it's about believing and it's about being here and we're all here to do that and you cannot question like the diwa says malaysia um new zealand and australia america what those guys have to do to get up just to watch a game you know it's astounding you need to take those experiences a subjective experience on board when talking about this and the the things that local fans have to go through you know ticket pricing and so on and so forth um those sorts of things really you know you need to think about that and realize that both sets of fans have things that they have to do that are special and it, it's what makes our fan base unique and special and it's a massive um, sacrifice for us you know international fans to to go over or to the a pilgrimage to go to Anfield. It's such a massive sacrifice. But yeah, oh, sorry, did I cut you off there? No, no, that's okay. I just wanted to add on to Kalen's point um, with regards to how um, fans do receive foreign fans very openly. And I think the problem is it takes one incident from, let's say, one fan that doesn't take it well. Mm. And then, the, it, you know, it blows up to, oh, the whole of Anfield doesn't like foreigners, you know, whereas yes. it could literally be one fan. And that you, if you dig deeper, that's usually the case. You know, if, 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 um, but I think there's also other ways we could do it. Maybe if we have sort of 
if you're coming to um if you if you know you're coming to Anfield is there a way of getting those guys sort of like music sheets of some kind you know you know obviously in the ground that would be a contentious thing like how can you have a music sheet are you a real fan you know it, all these things can blow out of proportion but sort of sending some you know you know those travel agencies that that have packages um, for fans to come in and experience Liverpool and all that stuff, maybe in that package should be like a music sheet so they can learn the songs and be a part of the atmosphere. Because some fans just genuinely don't know the songs, so so they can't sing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully agree with you guys. Well, I guess that's about it with regards to social media. I'm sure we can unpack a lot of things. We can even get someone on here to rant with us. <laughs> I think we'll leave that for next time. Um Guys, thanks for joining me again, Tadiwa. Awesome debut. Uh, just heard from Dumi. He just got home and his baby daughter's all over him. So, Dumi, apologies for next next time. I'll definitely get you on, my man. Um, any plugs for you, Tadiwa? Anything to plug? Um, yeah, just a, a plug. Um, I, I wrote my first uh, article. Uh, it came out on Monday, so so that was quite interesting. That was quite exciting. Gags had been sort of nudging me and encouraging me, write an article, write an article. And um, I, so I eventually did write one. Just just a brief summary. The, the title is If You Build If You Build It, They Will Stay. And it's just talking oh, about okay. Okay. getting the um get giving our franchise players, the Mane's, the Firmino's, the Salas, a supporting staff of players that help facilitate, you know, trophy winning. And it doesn't have to be you know, the best players in the world or the most expensive players in the world. But they need to also, as a club, we also have a responsibility to to show them that intent that, okay, we're buying players that will help you guys. Then, you know, you guys can then just take us that extra step or two. Um, I, I had fun writing it. Uh, it's it's I've, I've had good receptions. I've had very good criticisms, very good comments. Um, and it, it was it was something new to me. It was something you know, just out of the love of the club. So if you want to check that out, it is on Anfield Index. Please um, let me know what you think about it. Yeah, and awesome, then, man. Yeah, and then, then go uh, ahead. are we doing Twitter handles as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so uh, my Twitter handle is at the Ace of Naves 7. So, yeah, um, follow me, I'll follow back, and we can chat there. Cool, man. We'll definitely retweet that and as well as your article. And well done on the article, man. I mean, mm. Gags has been pushing me as well. I think I'm kind of in his bad books because I haven't written anything <laughs> in, in ages. Um, yeah, but Kay, from your side, the usual? Well, I've actually, there's a global out now, um, which is the first ah, yes, I saw that, yeah. that we, we could get out in a, in, a, in a really long time. So I host uh, Tom Holmes, AI writer, Nathan Stalker from AI Academy, and Jason Balk, who's uh, one of the American contributors to AI, and he's been on Global before. And you can just listen to them educate me on a, on a bunch of issues that uh, that we seem to have on a seasonal basis uh, under Jürgen Klopp, and just listen to how they are taking that apart and, this, and uh, addressing those. And obviously, there will be a face-off at some point uh, after the West Ham game, so do have a look out for that. You mean after also- the West Ham win? Yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> nice, <Wow>. nice. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how it goes. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. It was an awesome chat regarding social media. Like I said, as fans, we just need to chill a bit, except when it comes to Man United fans. You know, we all fucking hate those guys. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case, thanks again for joining us, and until next time, bye-bye. 
Social Podcast Network.